Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. If you're looking to throw some optics on your turkey gun this spring, look no further than the Vortex Defender ST. This is the red dot we're going to be running this season. We're excited about it. This thing's built like a tank, super lightweight, super long battery life, everything you need in a good turkey red dot. And if you want to get a discount on that red dot or any other Vortex Optic, go to eurooptic.com and use the code SGN10 to get a discount. That's eurooptic.com, code SGN10. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar. May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you. And we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. 
Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Now let's get to the episode. Presented by Hunting Exchange, a marketplace for serious hunters by serious hunters. Welcome back, everybody, to an outro for uh, Mr. Bill Vale's episode. Jacob, what'd you think? Oh, it was, again, hopefully y'all had your floaties on, man, because uh, we've gotten some deep water, and uh, <laughs> if you can't swim, hopefully you could flood along the conversation and re-listen to it a couple times and, and really kind of get an idea of what he's saying. Uh, but no, I mean, I, you know, 100% on board, kind of just the conversation as it ha- as it happened. But the thing is to remember with Bill is the area of the country that he's in. He's in Michigan, extremely high deer hunting pressure. And if I had to guess, you know, something that we'll, ha- we'll talk to him on the next episode is the availability or lack thereof of thick cover up there and what that habitat looks like when it comes to security cover that bucks are trying to get away from you know humans and everything else up there especially when they're doing man drives gun season the whole nine yards but clearly 50 years of hunting experience he's come up with his theories and his ideas of what works for him he's extremely successful so uh, we'll see some photos of his well actually if you're listening to this by the time you listen to this episode uh you probably if you're on social media have seen the photos of his you know trophy room and it's pretty impressive um, so, you know, there's that, but mm-hmm. Andrew, I don't know, I'll throw it right back on you, Andrew. What's your thought, man? Uh, went off <clears> the deep end pretty quick on that one. Andrew couldn't swim. I was, I was over here watching him and it was just like <laughs> drowning, bro. I was watching him drown and there was nothing I could do to help. I him. was thoroughly confused for a good first part of that episode. I was trying to figure things out, but it ended up being really good. Um, I think we covered a lot of cool, it's a, it's a different mindset for sure. I mean, it, it's definitely interesting. I don't know how how much it applies down here versus up there you know um it's cool to hear and everything and i'd be curious to try to like relate some of that stuff like go back to the map and look look at some of uh the deer that we've tracked over the years and see if they did all that stuff that he was talking about um but part of me just wonders if if that's more of a midwest thing i'm not saying it is i'm just wondering if it is because we found like the bedding stuff that he talked like windover back that that type bedding I just really don't think that that happens down here. Well, and he actually seemed pretty open-minded about that. He said, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of scenarios that, you know, they don't necessarily follow that, you know, depending on the cover and those type of things. <coughs> uh, water being one of them, you know, yeah. all those kind of change. Yeah. Um, I felt like uh, I was back in my teenage years, and I was lifeguarding, and um, I had this uh, chick. Her name was Sherry. And um, <laughs> Sherry, Sherry was a big old girl. And... Um, <laughs> So it was like one of those uh, Sunday afternoons. They had a big family reunion, and uh, there was a, a shallow wind and a deep end, and all of the family was lined up along the transition. You know those little buoys, little, oh, yeah. you know, you know. So everybody was like right there, that way they wouldn't drown. Well, <laughs> Sherry gets out. Sherry goes over there to the diving board, and Sherry's standing there, and all of her family. Uh, there's like 20 of them. They're all standing there, and they're like, "Go, Sherry! Go, <coughs> Sherry!" And then Sherry looks around, and then Sherry jumps off the deep end. Sherry sinks straight to the bottom. I mean, so quick, she's gone. <laughs> I jump off. I have to go after Sherry. I'm like a quarter of Sherry's size. I'm doing my best to get Sherry back up to the top. <laughs> like, absolutely doing my best. Sherry's flailing around. Sherry can't swim. That's kind of how I felt at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> I felt like Sherry. <laughs> like, I don't I done bit off more than I could chew. Like, I don't sunk to the bottom. I'm trying to make it back up. That's a lot for Michael Pike to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, 
like I'm I'm not the best um, when somebody's trying to describe something, I guess verbally. Like I'm more of like a if I if I can see it, then I can put it together. Because whenever someone's talking, I'm trying to put it together in my mind with a picture. Um, that's just how my brain processes stuff and how I think about Me stuff. Me too. Mike Michael's saying that he's a picture book reader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could I could study uh, an exam or a test for like for nursing school or anything like that. Like just look over it the night before. Pass it with an A. You asked me three months down the road what happened. I have I have no clue. Like <laughs> no clue. Like what we talked about. But anyways, um, so I'm like a visual learner. Like I just I see it and I can remember that for a short period of time. Uh, I'm trying to picture all this stuff, but there's so much going on that is kind of tough, and so it was very very easy to get lost. So I think that we're gonna try to make this a visual episode two right yes i didn't know if y'all wanted to go ahead and tease that or not but that's 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 enough we'll tease it that much um but yes yeah i'm right there with you he he started he started describing a lot of that map stuff and i immediately tried to pull up the map and and try to figure out um how i could kind of relate it to what i do down here i guess and our topography and it was just difficult <laughs> to put together. Um, now that I've thought about it for a little while and I'm kind of looking at the map, I feel like I'm kind of getting it. And like we got a map in front of us right now. And I'm going to try this. I'm actually going to print this out um, so I can get like with a pen and actually like trace um, the lines of like passive least resistance. My biggest question was, you know, when you're starting to draw on the map, like what he wants to do, how are you? how do you follow those passive least resistance? You know, like obviously you got your creek bottoms and stuff, but he had a bunch of other lines on there too on his picture. And I couldn't quite tell well, what he was following. Well, what I would do is be like, all right, if you were looking at traversing this area, yeah, what do you feel like for yourself would be the easiest pass? So the easiest pass like in, in this would be the roads. It'd be around the water. Uh, it would be like the more open stuff, um, which is going to be like, on the map is going to be like the more dense canopy versus mm-hmm. like the more super know, thick, super thick under, also, under story. Also, you got to think about this too. This the difference in terrain and habitat type. Yeah. Okay? Like slight rolling hills is going to be different from more mountainous stuff yep. versus flat land versus uh, hill country that's not maybe big in elevation, but really steep. I mean, there's a lot of different factors of like how truly – forced into certain spots are deer when it comes to path loose resistance because some areas path loose least resistance could be 360 degrees in any direction until yep. it hit a thicket or a creek or something like that yep mm-hmm. which is different from being in hill country or mountainous country where you have super steep areas you have bluffs you got benches you've got all those kind of things and then compared to some stuff we're looking at here which is more just like kind of gentle gently rolling hills with some steeper topography in some certain locations um, or like longer ridge systems and stuff like that. So I think it depends on kind of where you're at, but just kind of drawing those lines out, you know, through all the saddles, through all these, uh, you know, off these ridge points, you know, down along the creeks and everything else, uh, and any of these other, you know, train features, which is something interesting. That was one thing I thought that if listeners, like if we can put a video out there on some of this stuff, um, could help some people really kind of find some of these hubs of activity when they kind of look at it because i've seen some examples i've talked to bill quite a bit more than of course like what we did today and have a a, a pretty good understanding of under of how he goes about doing this uh with the lines on the map and finding these hubs of activity instead of just looking for a thermal hub but like actually drawing everything out but okay if a buck's going from north to south east and west or whatever he's going along this ridge system 
potentially where is he going to be tra- traveling on this ridge system? Not yeah. just on the ridge, but, you know, top third, bottom third, halfway up the ridge, top of the ridge, that kind of stuff. And then drawing those lines out and kind of seeing where they're all crossing. And I used to, I've, I've done this quite a few times. I was trying to find a screenshot. That's what I was doing, like, the first part of the podcast, going back through, like, my thousand screenshots that I've done and trying to find where I've done that in the past. Um, but um, what I was going to ask him is, does he also use cover as one of those lines? Um, so lines of cover. Um, you know, he was talking about path of least resistance, but, you know, a lot of these deer use cover you know, as their travel routes. So I didn't know because when I did it, I used cover also like, like, you know, if this is the best way to get from point A to point B was this little stretch of cover, that would also be a line, not necessarily all just topographical features. So that was one question I was going to ask. And I, I had it written down somewhere, but I don't, think we ever got to it really it's kind of another way of finding it's just another way of finding compounding features is all yeah uh, exactly i mean that's really exactly what it is uh and especially when it comes to the like thermal hub question i had about him it kind of dawned on me in the middle of that question what i was saying and that's exactly what it is you're looking for like yeah here's a thermal hub but where can i find a thermal hub that has like a bench and two saddles feeding into it, you know, where you got all these different things coming together. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing he outlines in his book in the diagrams he sent us where he's got like the, the single intersection or whatever, double and then triple intersections. Um, it's basically where three lines come together. Like those lines he draws, that's mm-hmm. like the triple. That's a really good one. So pretty interesting stuff. I, I like that map scouting aspect of it. A what, lot. what do you think about the, uh, your rural one with the wind theory about, um, you know, using you know, wind to their advantage, either with a tailing wind and more open terrain habitat or some kind of headwind, you know, well, when, when traveling. I've definitely seen the tailwind um, when they go to like a food plot. Like when I used to be in a hunt club, um, I would have deer that were typically bedded, let's say, like you're looking down at a food, a food plot um, from like a shooting house or a tree stand. Um, they would always be bedded to off to the west mm-hmm. and they would approach but depending on the wind sometimes they would come into the uh the northwest corner of that field and they would feed down that was when a northwest wind if the wind was ever out of the east they would cross above the um food plot it was a power it was cut, it was on a power line the power line was about 4 to 6 feet tall they would cross about 20 yards above where the food plot was wrap around to the northeast corner and they would feed back down out into the field so they they when they got to that open area they always had the wind at the back while they were actually feeding so they would wrap around to the other side and thick mm-hmm. cover and enter so they had the wind at the back yeah i've, I've heard michael yates talk about that too uh in conversations with him or like how you know they'll like kind of hook into a field like you said they might walk into a field and the second they get into the field, they then switch to, you know, having a tailwind if they're coming in with some kind of headwind or quartering wind. Um, and to me, this makes sense in areas with really high hunting pressure, like really high hunting pressure. And like like the way I look at this is in some of these areas, like I've heard people talk about, say, like in Michigan, where you have a bunch of small properties, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 acres, 100 acres with quite a few guys on each property. If these deer are constantly getting bumped, they're going to get conditions at a certain point especially if they're in an area that does have more uh, prevailing winds or like a, a more consistent wind currents, as you could say, um, to actually use that to their advantage when they're traveling, especially after being bumped 
or uh, potentially if they're going to a destination food source that they've been bumped from the past or been shot at or whatever. Um, now, in areas where, you know, say you go out to the, somewhere in the far, far Midwest or something like that, or areas that just the honey pressure is a lot lower or like the hunter density is lower, um, I, I feel like, you know, maybe or maybe not it's as much of a factor, if, if even a factor. Um, just because, you know, they're not having all that human intrusion and maybe they don't have as many predators. I would be curious to know <clears throat> and talk to uh, Troy Pottinger about that because Troy in an area where he's not in Idaho in uh, Washington, but especially Idaho in, in western Montana for whitetails in the mountains, you know, dealing with so many predators, not only, not only you know, hunters and humans, but mountain lions, wolves, black bear, grizzlies. I mean, there's all these different predators trying to kill a whitetail, and I wonder how much more it plays a factor out there potentially as it does in an area where maybe they just deal with coyotes and humans. Yeah. So. I, w- I wonder about all the same stuff. One thing I don't like about the wind rule for around here, or I guess rule one, is so often I see, I'll see movement like real early or like first light, last light specifically last light and i mean down here even in the winter time there's pretty much no wind those times of days on the vast majority of days there's uh-huh. it's very very still uh and sometimes you can have good thermals and i don't, I don't know maybe they're using the thermals but uh i don't it almost seems sometimes like we're i don't know maybe they use sound more than that even when they're moving because a lot of times they'll be skirting those edges and stuff and they'll be like right there on that transition right at last light so I don't know. Maybe they're using their ears to their advantage because it's so still in yeah. the wintertime, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I definitely feel like, especially later in the season, um, eyes and their ears play a bigger factor in some areas than, than the scent and, and nose. And yeah. I feel like it, it could be potentially opposite early season when maybe the, the you know, wind, their, their nose is more of a factor early season. And this is just a theory. This, yeah, I have well, no evidence against this. Well, that is something think, about, think about the best times it is to scent something it's going to be like when it's warmer and when it's moist um you know if it's drier air conditions colder your nose just typically has a a harder time smelling those certain smells so i I would assume it'd be the same thing with the deer you know you'd be less reliant on that later in the season as it gets colder as it gets drier versus at the beginning when it's more warm and you know humid it's kind of like, you remember that hunt we had last year? It was kind of towards the tail end of our rut around here. And I can't remember if you saw something. It was over where we killed our bucks. Mm-hmm. And right at last light, I had that one come out and come and like get underneath mm-hmm. me and everything and spooked it right at last light. Mm-hmm. That one came off the bedding point. I heard it like, I don't know if I heard it get up, but I heard it. And it would like walk and then stop and for like a long time. And then walk like 50 yards and stop for a long time. To where I mean it was probably like a thirty minute interaction and it made it like a hundred yards. Uh and it what it did is it came off the top of the hill, the transition's coming down, dropping down into the bottom. The transition comes all the way to the creek and it worked that transition down and worked the transition and then like hooked around and was walking straight down the creek on the transition in the thick stuff, which is where I was. So it got directly underneath me. But that's what I thought it was doing. I thought it was because it was so still and so quiet. There was nothing going on. It was like silent. 
and it would just stop. And I feel like it was listening. This podcast is supported by Hunting Exchange. Now, Hunting Exchange, if you haven't heard, is an app for iOS and Android that is your one-stop shop to buy and sell all of your used hunting equipment. Now, the great thing about this, especially as a buyer, you can go on there and find some great deals on used equipment from other outdoorsmen from across the country. One great thing you go on there, unlike social media platforms like what you would find on, say, like Facebook, you can actually go on Hunting Exchange and find some great deals on bows, tree stands, saddles, technical apparel, knives, broadheads, the whole nine yards, really. One great thing about it is, again, it's secured and supported by PayPal. So when you go on, all your purchases are insured through PayPal. So you can buy with confidence. Now, the great thing is also as a seller, you can go on there and be a part of a great network of other outdoorsmen and be able to go on and sell whatever gear you'd like and be able to reach more people without having to worry about being banned or blocked on social media platforms like what we see on Facebook. Again, it's a great place to go, purchase your gear, and also connect with other outdoorsmen across the country. This podcast is supported by Mark's Outdoors. If you're from around Birmingham, you know of a a staple in the hunting community here, and that would be Mark's Outdoors. They've been in business in the same location for over 40 years, family owned and operated, and they have a reputation for being one of the best bow shops in the southeast. As we inch closer and closer to deer season, if you haven't already, it's time to dust off that bow and make sure that she's ready to roll for this hunting season. Go stop by Mark's Outdoors and check out their archery counter with Mark and Robbie, two guys I've known for years, excellent bow techs. They've worked on my bow since I started bow hunting. They got all the knowledge and accessories that you need to get ready to rock for this bow season. While you're in there, also make sure you check out their gun counter. They got a ton of nice rifles for everything from AR platforms to nice deer rifles and a bunch of nice shotguns as well. They also have one of the best knife selections in Alabama. I mean, really nice stuff. All kinds of custom knives in there and their ammo selection is just unbeatable as well. We're thrilled to have Mark's Outdoors on board and we thank them for supporting the podcast. Now we're going to ask you guys to go support them. That, and that's mm-hmm. that, to me, that's when I always see deer on like the most edge. Mm-hmm. Is like even doe groups, like when it's super calm like that, it's like they are like on pins and needles mm-hmm. in most situations. Like even if they're coming to a feed tree, like they're listening because they're like they can't smell as good. And again, maybe dropping thermals that's another thing. Like him dropping down to that spot, knowing that spot pretty well, mm-hmm. you know, drop dropping down to where he's at. He's catching all those thermals dropping down from above him uh, in that oh, kind yeah. of that kind of younger transition habitat. And you know, he's catching all those thermals, smelling some prime stuff. Yeah, and it, but, you know, that may be one reason why some of these deer move early. Like the buck, for instance, that came up to the greenfield last year, mm-hmm. um, he basically positioned himself. To catch fallen thermals. To catch fallen thermals. But, it, you know, thinking about, you know, what we were just talking about, the wind offers like cover noise. And that would allow him to move to a certain place and then set up and then just kind of hang out there, listen around, mm-hmm. you know, scent check, you know, with thermals once they start dropping. But it also offers him that cover of sound to move from point A to point B before, you know, that wind does die off and, you know, it gets really quiet. Yeah, I always see better deer movement if there's like a, a nice, you know, three, four, five mile an hour breeze. It's like it always seems like the deer are like more comfortable moving. And they're like they're they're using their vision, especially they're kind of in the area of like on oh, a habitat break between you know real thick cover and, and open stuff. But even in thick cover, if you got a nice little wind, 
I mean, it seems like they kind of they kind of want to bebop their way through there. Even like a mature buck, kind of bebop their way through there, and then they get to that transition line. They they, they pause just inside that thick cover, mm-hmm. use the visual, and then they either come out or they work their way down the edge of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's frustrating, man. Because I was watching that opening, and he was working down the edge, and he was so much on the edge that I thought I was like I had my rifle up ready to go because I thought he was about to pop out, but he just came right down the edge. I mean, just inside the hardwoods. Not out in the cutover, which is kind of interesting. I was watching the cutover, and he was working the edge inside the woods. Mm-hmm. That was aggravating. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it brings back just a lot of things. What, what you get, Mike? Was this during the rut? No, this is later. Is that the very end of it? Like yeah. Very, very So end. he still could have been seeking does, though? What day was that? I can tell you what day. Because the same thing happened to me when I had a mature buck. Um, Where was that? A like? long time ago. He, he stayed out of the cutover. All the other deer were in the cutover, but he stayed out of the cutover and sent checked from outside of it. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what day it was here in just a second. Um, but it brings back just a lot of kind of questions of like just the overall deer movement. I think I, I just now looking at this, I feel like thermals play such a huge role, especially you know I, again I don't have a whole bunch of experience. I'm not gonna say anything about flatlands because I don't know anything about flatlands, but especially in the hill country areas that I have experience hunting, thermals I feel like play such a factor in that thermal switch in the evenings plays such a factor with that buck movement especially if there's no other outside um outside um factor for you know movement early whether it's a cold front uh, you know of all that being equal you know if it's like a consistent temperature it seems like that thermal switch is like something that gets them on their feet and gets them to start easing their way into the next kind of transition area as they kind of work towards that destination food source in the evening or whatever else they're trying to head to because um, yeah. it's like you have so many close encounters right at last light with like big bucks, mature bucks, and it's like they are just making that switch. And you're not super far from the bedding cover, but they're just making that switch. They're getting up, and the second you feel those falling thermals, that's when you're starting to hear them. Yeah, and then you're like, so it's almost like setting up in a lot of these situations. And we're going to talk about this a little bit. I had a listener do this, um, which we'll talk about in just a again just a little bit. But hunting that thermal switch and hunting for when that thermal does start dropping as that buck cart's working his way through that area, be able to set up for that. Um, and I'll just, I'll just mention Jordan, a listener of the podcast, uh, new bow hunter. This is, it's been just at a year since he started bow hunting. Uh, and I think just hunting in general. And he killed a really nice velvet buck, uh, in North Carolina opening week or opening weekend. Um, you know, implementing, you know, that tactic of hunting thermal switches, uh, which is pretty advanced tactics. He took that from uh, PK from one of, uh, PK's episodes earlier this summer. So, yeah, What's up, Mike? That was uh, that was January tenth that happened, Mike. So it was post rut. It, it was it was that cold. I had on everything I had. I remember I took that because I was like, I have on every. Oh, January tenth. So you're coming around that secondary. Is that second? Yeah, it could be that secondary. Because I, I hunted out there on the eighteenth. That was cold. Well, I hunted there on the eighteenth, and that's when I had those two really nice bucks. I mean, bumping does hard, mm-hmm. like super hard. Mm-hmm. So, Same area too. Yeah, so yeah, he. That's probably what he was doing. He's probably it was kind of calm, but he was trying to yeah see if Checking any things any out. deer had been slipping through right there or up above him. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's, that's always fun though. Uh, that like winter when it's just like it's so cold and you're like bundled up and you get that like quiet stillness at last light and you just hear like, and you can like hear it and it stops and you're like, "Ooh, is that a deer?" And you're like waiting and waiting and waiting and then it like really gets going and it's like. And it's like just walking. You're like, oh, it's a deer. Here it comes. See, that's when I break out those sticks. It's like in that type of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I just do do my own. Like, let me that. get these deer thinking there's another deer already down here. 
Oh yeah, and hey, then they just come right out. Uh, what is what's your thoughts on uh, Bill talking about the whole handkerchief thing? Oh, I love it. I love. I too. need to figure out if that's legal here because I'm doing it. That is awesome. I'm so, telling you, I really wish you could use um, like like actual like Bluetooth speakers. I'm telling you, I'll yeah, give you me some Bluetooth speakers and I'll have me that electric remote control little truck down there on the ground and I'll be like, <laughs> I have, I tell y'all, like, we need to, we need to do it just for fun. Like not even be hunting, just go out there and film it. I promise you it'll work. I promise <laughs> you. Just check the regs first. No, uh, I like the handkerchief. So, uh, well, better explain the handkerchief for anyone that might have not caught it during the main episode. Because I'll, I'll be honest, I walked out when y'all were talking about it, or like walked back in. Yeah, you gotta take a leak. So, what's I mean, what, what explain it to me? All right, no, what's so the, what's you get the a white so, handkerchief? So basically, <laughs> just take it away, Mike. All right, take it away, bro. Get it, Mike. So I'll tie him below. I was like, take it, Mike. Steal it, boy. So <laughs> so basically, like when you're like blind calling or calling like from a thicket. So first thing the deer is going to want to do is he's going to use his he- his hearing. He's going to hear the sound, okay? So then he wants another confirmation. Can you see? No. Okay, so then he's going to try to smell. Mm-hmm. So then he's going to try to come down wind. Well, if you have these little flankers where you have either the the dirt where he's basically raked away or you have some kind of scent, use the scent. And then when the deer actually comes up into the thicket, that's when he has the visual. So the visual is the handkerchief. So now he's basically, he's heard it, he smelt it. A white handkerchief. And now he's about to see it, and that's what's going to bring him in. Did y'all specify that with him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what he's talking about, you know, if you have the wind straight in your face, off to your left and right, Mm -hmm. I don't know, 20 yards away, you know, make you a little scrape. And it's kind of interesting. I found it interesting how he said... He, made, he was, like, real specific about the scent. He's like, just a Q-tip. Like, mm-hmm. just, right. you know, guys get those freaking spongy scent exactly. wicks, and they'll soak that thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, it does not take that much right. for sure. And I would rather it be, like, a, maybe that. You know, Curiosity. you always hear people Curiosity say, like, scent. you always pe- hear people like, oh, the scent spook them and everything. I'm like, well, man, it's like. A, how much are you putting out? How much are you putting out? Because right. I can see, again, I can see what my dog can smell. And it's ridiculous what he can smell. Like he can, I can. We did this uh, up in Tennessee. My buddy Nick's place. Um, he was wearing knee-high rubber boots and short grass, and we were doing a track. And Boone was like four months old, and he tracked Nick knee-high again, knee-high rubber boots, like scent free, quote unquote, through tall grass. And my dog can pick that up at four months old. A deer's got a better nose. A mature buck has got a better nose than a four-month-old dog. So and more experience. You gotta yeah. So you gotta think if you go out there and you get one of those scent wicks and you've got like a shot of deer piss on it, uh, yeah. dude. I mean, it's probably like hitting him in the face with it. It's, I mean, it's probably way too much. So he's he's specified just have like a Q-tip or something out there. So I really like that. And then you know you're scraping everything, your fresh earth. But the handkerchief thing is oh, it's, I like it. It's like uh, it's, it's like a girl who sprays on a little bit of perfume. Just enough. And just oh, enough. And then you got, this, and you're like, oh, you're like, oh, I like that. Let me, let me get some more of that smell. And then you have <laughs> grandma, grandma, who's like 80 years old, oh, who has, moment. who can't smell anymore, and who has that scent that'll knock you down from like 10 foot away. Like that's the difference. <laughs> oh, dude, that's a good analogy, Mike. Yeah. Man, listen, that, that throws back a lot of. Yeah, that, listen, I can relate with that. Total. I'm at the club, and there's some 75 year old women there. You better watch out. <laughs> yeah. So the white handkerchief, um, 
he said what put a washer in it you know tie it up so it's it's got weight to it and you can tie mm. it around there and yeah it i get it's just hanging up i guess at a deer's height and you've got fishing line or something tied to it where it's like, yeah, it's oh, you up decoy, in your stand. Oh, you decoyed it? Yeah. yeah. So, 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 I missed that. I'm so sorry. So when he smells. Yeah, 20 or 30 yards away. Yeah. And he said he could use kite string, but make sure, or thread, make sure it's black. That way it doesn't reflect non-reflective. light. Non-reflective. Very specific, non-reflective. And when that buck, you know, crosses that, you know, because he's trying to swing downwind of you. And so he's supposed to hit that scent and everything first. And when he hits that scent and he checks up, you just give that thing like a little tug, little wiggle of that handkerchief. Mm-hmm. Just barely move it. And it just shakes a little bit, and he's like, "Oh, there it is." Yeah, I've heard Michael Yates say that, but dude, that's like that's next level. That is next level. Yeah, dude, oh, I, I, I like didn't, that. I didn't think about that. Now dude. we're talking. And also, the, th- the, th- the I would not do this if I was ground. It's like a jerk rig for deer. That's exactly what it is. I, I'll be honest, safety wise, I'm, say, I'm gonna say it right now. Safety wise, probably wouldn't do this while I'm hunting on the ground. But if I was up in the tree, hundred percent, Michael would be like, oh, "I want to hunt, do it off the ground. That's fine." Yeah, but I'm just saying, safety wise. You have people taking deer decoys out there, so I mean, I think uh, you're good. I don't know many people taking deer decoys down here in public land. Yeah. You might know some. Uh, no, I'm not saying down here. I'm just saying like our listeners. Well, well, anyways, <laughs> man, you top smack on that gum. So, hey, hey. <laughs> Listen, hey, Mike's a little abusive, boys and girls. Better watch out. Uh, no, anyways. Uh, but no, that's, that is pretty slick. I'm not going to lie. Like, I mean, it's a jerk rig for, for deer, man. Yeah, man. The, but, but, then, like hey, but then the question is, this is the question. This is the question. You're bow hunting. Okay. Yeah. You got all the scent because you're walking around tying crap up, trying to open, you know, scrape out some dirt around your stand. You're you're sitting up a whole area within 20 yards of your stand, and you're bow hunting. Well, but it the so he his thought is that doesn't matter because you're covering what's trying to swing downwind of you. So the idea is, I mean, yeah, you'll have like two lines of ground scent going out 20 yards on either side of your stand. And then, but you can shoot to that. But, but you can shoot to that. But what you're trying to do is catch him before he gets downwind of you. You're supposed to stop him on a crosswind and get him to come up and check that out broadside. So I'm just playing devil's advocate. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're getting a little, little defensive over here, bud. I'm just, I'm just saying, you idiot, you don't get it. I'm just, <laughs> just making sure you understand. I'm just saying, if you're tying all this stuff out in front of you and you're trying to shoot, you know, no, Andrew, you know, I will say, um, I'm not big on scent control, but you better make sure that handkerchief and hadn't been sitting in the back of your truck with your freaking Taco Bell or something, or just get that lavender or anything on there. Let's get, oh, you, you know what you could do? Hold on, we need somebody with some pet deer. I know a guy. You, you for, I know you know a guy. That's mm-hmm. what I was thinking. I know two people. You know what you, you know what you do? You, you, know, you, uh, you know what you do? Give them a couple of handkerchiefs. Get a couple of them. And wherever those deer, they have like, I don't know if those deer like have like inside stall or something that they spend time in. I'd put that freaking handkerchief in there, dude. This is next level. And oh. just, I'd leave that handkerchief in there for like a week or two weeks. They go pick it up and I'd go put that sucker in a Ziploc bag. Like I'm talking like a gallon Ziploc bag. And I take it to the now, woods. Now we're okay. Now you're on to listen, something. Now, listen, hey, listen, 4D Chesper, watch out, man. <laughs> now, <laughs> now you're, now you're on to something. And, and then you take that bad boy out there and then go hang it up. Mm. Next thing I, you know, you're gonna be opening up a little deer. You're gonna have your own pet deer. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna wait till they fall asleep and go tuck the little hanky up under them. <laughs> but keep this warm, old Lucy, <laughs> old nanny doe, old nanny. No, but dude, I'm t- oh, that, I mean that's that, 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 that's not that's not realistic for ninety nine point nine percent of people that no. listen to this podcast. But I would probably put it in um, just 
thinking off the top of my head, I think it'd be good to get like a gallon Ziploc and get your handkerchief. Pine straw. Dirt. I would put uh, like cedar or something yeah, in yep. there with it. Yep. So it smells, because they like to rub <gasps> cedars like a, around oh, here. So it smells like right. a like a fresh rubbed cedar tree or something. Mm, that's a good point. Because then that's just another thing, you know, you got that fresh dirt. Or some pine, yeah. Got that cedar. Put some know. green pine needles in there too. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anything, anything, any like disturbance like that. I think would attract. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about, oh, dude. Cruiser Saddles is the newest addition. The company supporting this podcast. Cruiser is the maker of saddles and saddle hunting gear. Uh, me and Jacob actually met Chad, the owner, at our Bozen Brews event in March of 2020. We were demoing a lot of different saddles there from a lot of different companies, and he showed up with his products, which were brand new at the time, and everybody there was extremely impressed with them, including me and Jacob. We ended up getting some of the saddles for this past hunting season and used them all year from, basically, we started hunting in August and hunted until February. No complaints. Really liked them. The durability was there. The comfort was there. The wearability was there, you know, walking in and out to the stand. So we're very impressed. You can go back to some of the episodes from last year and actually hear us, you know, live through the season talking about these things. We talked about them a lot in the podcast from last year's season. Just really impressed, and we think you would like them too. So go to their website and check them out. We ran the XC. Orders ship the same day or next day unless otherwise indicated. And you get free shipping on orders over $300. We really appreciate Cruiser for supporting this show. You guys go show them some support as well. Whoa, 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 guys. Hold on now. You've been listening to a lot of our content, getting a lot of free content lately. You've been listening to the show for quite some time and enjoy the show. One way you can help support us is join our Patreon. Uh, If you join the Patreon account, you get access to all kinds of content, including GPS studies, giveaways, and videos. Now click the link in the show notes below and join the Patreon today. All right, so you say you're a fan of the Southern Outdoorsman podcast and you love the show. You tell all your buddies, you might even leave us a review on iTunes, but you're not rocking Southern Outdoorsman merch. What's going on? Now, you can fix that today. Just head on over to our website, southernoutdoorsman.com forward slash shop. You can check out the new t-shirts, new decals, and everything else we have on the website. Or better yet, you can click the link in the show notes below and go directly to the website from there. Love to see you in the Southern Outdoorsman merch. Thank you guys for the support. I, I can see it. I'm telling you, I see this being very effective, especially hunting some of these thickets and doing that in like some of these thickets, like on the edge of some of these pine thickets, right in the inside of the pine thickets, mm-hmm. and just and more so, just like catch their eye and draw their eye to that. Especially if it's th- it's got to be the thing is it's got to be thick enough where they can't see it like super super well from a distance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If they can see it from 30 yards, 40 yards away, and like truly see what it is. You're probably yeah, probably not the best thing to do in like wide open, no, wide no. open hardwoods. You know what you could do? You could kill a deer and get you some. I've got like, one. I got a tail. Yeah, and get a tail or like get just cut it's some like, hair off of it. You know, don't cut the hide where it's gonna like rot in there, but like just cut some hair off and keep a, like huh? keep it in a bunch of deer hair in a bag. Oh, what's that again? The handkerchief. Yeah, yeah. I know. But what about the hide rot, rotting off? Don't cut like the hide but just like shave some hair off that deer oh. and put it in the bag dude i've cut listen i cut many of tails off and put them some some salt on it bro mm-hmm. let it set up right that sucker it dry out after a while brine so. it yeah that's what yeah. I, that's what i do man i got a couple tails like that dude <laughs> i got a deer hide in here somewhere i don't know where i put it they, they ain't they ain't uh rotten but no dude uh, that's a good point like for real you put some deer like hair in there I, we're thinking this is like i don't tell you take it to the next yeah, level now we're talking but Curiosity kills the buck. Get you some clippers, but, shave his oh, forehead, dude. put his forehead hair in there. I know that smell. Oh my god, my that sounds that sounds weird, but I bet you that would do. Dude, something. if you if you kill, For real. oh my gosh, dude, I'm thinking now. You know what you do? 
to you right now. You go out, she shoots you a spike. No, 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 no. You no, go no. out there with your remote control truck. Michael, you just... <laughs> You, you, highly you, illegal. You put a little pole on top and, of it, dude, a, and then a little a tail, con, a and then you control, run that thing around. Dude, a remote control truck don't sound like a deer walking. It sounds like <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, no, it'd be like me, me, like the freaking wheels. They'd be tearing out of there so fast. And me and Jake would be on the escape trails, killing all, <laughs> mowing them down. Son. Arrows be flying, bro. Let Got him. <laughs> okay, well, wait, wait, did we ever talk about that in the last outro? About yeah. The, about the dope about like like you know if you want to be a hunting douche like on on instagram the uh the actual that, that account the account hunting, hunting douche is pretty funny making some smooth videos of dove hunters but, no, but oh, you're, dude, you're oh, out there you're like yeah. yelling you know a couple does fly cut them yeah everyone cut them like three of them pop out of the same bush and just light up these ducks like some duck hunters man it's funny mike mike doesn't understand what we're talking about no but it's, okay. it's okay i no. was here for the last podcast and uh, i don't remember that i know that's why i said i don't think we talked about it but mm. andrew thought we did yeah. Well, anyways, but hey, uh, but no, the handkerchief. I think that's, dude. I'm, I'm all in on that. I and, like the forehead hair. No, but oh, yeah, that's what I was gonna get. Okay, this is what I was gonna get. Go to a processor. This I would have a contact at a processor. Find a local processor. But hey, if a guy comes in, he's what wants a euro mount his deer, and he talks about like just cutting the head off something. Mm-hmm. Tell like, hey, dude. I, like, I don't know if you can. I don't know what the legality is. Like, hey, can I pay for it or whatever? But like, hey, can you save me a couple forehead, like the actual like hide off the forehead of a buck? Especially if I mean, if it's from if they're. If it's from in Alabama, late October or November through, I mean, in the season, those glands are going to be working, dude. You just mm-hmm. cut that off and just freaking just put that in that bag. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you just took that. Instead of like tarsal glands, you know, everybody's all about tarsal glands. Like saving, cutting tarsal glands off a buck and saving them. Instead of doing that, doing the freaking forehead gland and just cutting the forehead. Like if it's a buck, you're not going to mount or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Or you have somebody like, oh, I'm just going to do your mount. Angel's got two of them in the freaking freezer right now. Oh, I do. What are you doing, oh, man? Oh, we're ready. Oh, my gosh. I forgot I had those <laughs> in there. And they were killed at the proper man, time. does somebody in Birmingham do Euro mounts for like 50 bucks? Because I'll, I'll, I'll pay you. I know a guy. Just bury it out back. No. no I don't want to do that. Mike. I want it to be pretty and white. I'm not, I don't want to leave it. You it after. No, it's too much work. I Euro mounted one deer, and I was like, yep, I'm not going to do that again. That was not fun. It is so. fun when we do it out back and we get a case of beer. You okay, could that just would leave be in fun. the back of your truck for a year. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to do it. <laughs> Yep. So, but yeah, dude, we just get the turkey fryer out back. When we get back on this topic about this whole the forehead gland and stuff, I, I'm serious that you cut that off and instead of the whole, you know, tarsal gland. Well, let's thing, do it with those two bucks out there. Okay, but I'm, I'm just telling to the listeners, like, hey, listen, I'm for real. Like, if you go to attack, go to the not tax because they're gonna be mountain deer, but you go to a processor and just tell them, hey, someone you know brings in like a two and a half, three and a half year old buck or whatever, and there's they're talking about like, like skull capping it or something. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, can you like cut off that freaking piece of that hide off the forehead and you know, save it for me. Yeah. Put a couple in a Ziploc bag. I'm like, hey, dude, I'll, you know, buy you lunch or something. I don't know. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever bartering system you can do legally. I don't know. I don't know what the legality is. I don't know that. how much scent that would have. Like, I mean, it's, I'm not enough for probably, a deer to pick up. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm just thinking like a lot of that is coming from the gland, the gland itself. So like, I don't, I don't know how long that scent lasts. We're going to find out. Good question. Yeah, that's why we can test it, Mike. Ain't nobody doing that, dude. I'm going to let you test it. I'm going to test out my remote control truck. <laughs> dude, don't be doing that in the state of Alabama, bro. You get busted. <laughs> whoop, whoop. It's the sound of the police. <laughs> whoop, whoop. What yeah. are the regs for that? Yeah, you can't. Uh, no electronic calls. Yeah, no electronic calls. It's not a call. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. That's exactly what it it's is. It's an electronic truck. It just has no speaker on it. I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't think if you can't, because you can't harass them with drones either. Yeah, Mike, you just get trying to get us in trouble. 
You're like, well, the law doesn't say anything about RC trucks. (laughs) Well, it's not harassing them, though. You have to know where they're at to harass them. This is just driving a remote control truck. Oh, my God. I may give you the the local game warden's number. I'm just going to let you ask him. Yeah. Yeah, be like, hey, I want to go out there, man. He's going to be like, you want to do what? But Michael's like, oh, about like ultralight, and he's going to be packing an RC truck. Get out of here. You're full of it, dude. No, he's going to drive it next to him when he walks. Yeah. (laughs) He's going to be carrying the controls. Just run it down the hill. It, he wouldn't kill anything because he had too much fun freaking jumping off. <laughs> it'd be rocks. cool, be like ramping it. It'd be cool if I like had some kind of little air horn on there too that I could like what you know remotely that, like that, hit. That, that would be, be disturbing. Like, wildlife. It'd be like it'd be like burp, burp. <laughs> just just like hook it up to a grunt call. A, that's a, just burp, Mike. It's a, just keep on running. Right, you're, you're getting to the point of what we were talking about. Can't. Yeah, that's a that's a no no. Jeez. Nobody go do that. Like we're babysitting her. Yeah, but Mike, now you told people now they're gonna think that's cool to hit the thing. You can get a lot of people in trouble. Don't do that, guys. Michael's just kidding. God. <laughs> no, I really wasn't. I'm going to talk to the game warden. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway. Um, We're going to see when I killed two under each in Alabama that doesn't exist. <laughs> Remote control truck, but, guys. Hey, maybe like one of these old boys and, you know, kill on a preserve. Instead, you kill it on a out there. That was interesting. You saw what happened. Oh, the, yeah. the, the, there's two deer. One, the Kansas one's legit. It just got out of the fence. But the, the Kentucky one. Is, did you do the story? You probably did. I actually don't know any of the stories on. I, I mean, didn't I know sc- about the Kentucky one, but I ain't got time to be reading all these posts. I just look at pictures. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> trying to educate. I mean, yeah, someone killed some big old freak, nasty, ugly looking deer. Who cares? I don't know, dude. I don't, I don't get fired. No, people get pretty tore about because within about thirty minutes, of guy posting it, it was all over every freaking page. I, got I know it, it was everywhere. I'm, t- I'm talking about now. I'm talking about the the Kansas one. The Kansas one is the one that yeah. got everywhere. I didn't see the Kentucky one all that much, except from like a couple. People I just I heard a it. reference to it. Yeah. Anyways, Kentucky one was killed on a preserve in Indiana, and the guy said he killed on his property in Kentucky. <laughs> and the preserve was like, nope, that guy came to our place <laughs> no, and posted, you didn't, a, but. posted a photo of him in the freaking shop in the place with the rack. With their logo in the background of like when he after he killed it. What a peckerhead! And he's like, yeah. And he, he, I'm just trying to process. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to paint the picture right now, I'll pull, Jacob. I'll, I'll pull it up. <laughs> go, go, hey, go into the run gun. Picture. Go into the run gun page, and there's like I, I, that was over exaggeration. I was gonna say 60 posts. There's probably eight posts about it that, from today. So, anyways, it was it's, it's interesting. I don't know how someone think they get away. With I only that. shoot six points, so I'm not interested in a deer like that. <laughs> I don't know. You kill 206. He's got point, like 28 bro. too many points. Take about twenty eight of those points off of my shoot. Fifty seven point. Hey, I wanna hear I wanna hear somebody reach out to us about using off the wall tactics like the acorn cruncher. Um I could see like, people talk smack about the Acorn Cruncher. I, I think it'll work. Yep, Mr. Ron Poole, he, he swears up and down Dude, by that Ron Acorn Poole, Cruncher. We, I got to get him on. The, we, I know. He won't come on the podcast, but I've, I've already talked to a couple other people. Oh, oh, Richard Fox was like, Dude, if you get him on, it'd be awesome, but he ain't going to talk. Dude, I'll yeah. tell you what. That, I think that would work. It works. They're two different. They're totally different things. But here's a tip. I'm talking about squirrel hunting, which you're going to go do this weekend. Yeah, um, Mike. Uh, I'll be aware of taking care of COVID patients. You can go get two, like carry two, like new quarters with you. What? Two new quarters. Okay. Okay. All and right. you know they got the ridges. You, you, you got me interested now. Okay. You got, you got the ridges around the edge. Uh-huh. Of them. You'll get into a place. There'll be like a bunch of nests around, but nothing's out yet. Just rub them together. <laughs> you, yeah, you sit. You get tucked like in. Them you get your little twenty-two ready. To roll. You got your good little tree in front of you. You uh-huh, can uh-huh. aim off of, uh-huh. and you just tuck in, and you get those two quarters, and you uh, rub the edges against each other, and it sounds like a squirrel cutting a nut. Like I no. can't, I can't make the sound. It sounds just like a squirrel cutting a nut. Where'd you learn that? I can't remember. I read it somewhere. 
probably. Gl- Glenn saw me in an episode? No, oh, I've been doing that since I was a kid. Okay, anyways, but that's interesting. It yeah, works. So anyways, I want to hear It'll people's... It'll get them to come out. I want to hear people's curiosity kills the buck <laughs> tactics. We need curiosity to have a whole episode. Curiosity killed the squirrel. Whole episode. Let's hear it. No. Yeah. I'd be curious. If, hey, if y'all have got you, any hot squirrel tips, too. Have you called up a buck with a remote control truck? Let me know. <laughs> Did you I, get a ticket for it? I, yeah, I was in the back. I was in the backyard messing with the kids. RC truck. And, man, this buck just came out of nowhere, dude. Just, just want to stomp it. I'm telling <laughs> you, it's happened somewhere. It is happened somewhere. <laughs> have you ever listened? Listen, Mike, have you ever been around a, a remote control truck? Yes. I've had I, a gas-powered one. Okay, but listen, I, I've been at the ATA show. Not, not even ATA. Uh, NWTF show where they get the one with the uh, the turkey decoy on, which is not legal in a lot of states. Mm-mm. And, dude, they drive it around, and it sounds like an electric RC yeah, car. Yeah, that's, <laughs> like, that's on, like, pavement where you can't hear leaves going. That's true. I'm telling okay, you. That's okay, that's, that's a good point. I'm telling okay. you. Right. Same people right. do it with turkeys and ducks. People get, like, Little RC boat duck decoys and be like, Is that legal? I don't know. <laughs> Z- zooming them around throughout the decoy oh spread. God. I'm like, Huh. <laughs> That's a fast swimming duck, bro. Yeah. Oh my gosh, for real. <laughs> I don't know about that. Don't take any advice from us on this topics, guys. Oh my God. But listen, the handkerchief, I'm all in on the handkerchief. I'm all in on that freaking forehead gland and cutting that piece of hide off. And Mike, even not even put the freaking, uh, that freaking piece of hide out there but just keep it in there with a freaking um the uh hanky the hanky bro that's what i'm calling old big you know big hank who calls those deer big big hank new bird is that yeah new bird all new bird all big hank killed him with the hanky big bro hank. oh big hank yep absolutely mm-hmm. um oh dude well i'm all i'm all jazzed up with that um well okay what other um i'm trying to think what other takeaways that were there that was man we went down a rabbit hole just talking about well, it was mostly the wind I think it was interesting. I think the moon stuff is going to end up being... Listen, Andrew loves two words. I'll tell you right now. Stuff. And things. Stuff and things. That's me. He describes something. It's like all that stuff. Not, like he'll, he'll be like... People know of, what I'm talking say, about. Say about habitat. He's like all the different habitat. He's like all those different things. Or all the different stuff. No, I say habitat. All that different stuff. I know, but I'm just giving all an example. That, all I've that heard, stuff comes in one little area. Yeah, all that stuff. Not all those trails or all that like habitat types or the, the vegetation or... Diversities, all those things come together. It's, just, right. it's, it's cool. We're speaking like a normal person. That's our country education. I know. Listen, we <laughs> so we we are eating and breathing these uh, Southerner stereotypes, stereotypes on this podcast. I embrace them. It's kind of bad, bro. Mm-hmm. Had somebody reach out to us like, y'all are are y'all doing this on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> nope, just us. Yep. Um, well, cool. So let me ask: from anything from this episode, like, what are some of your takeaways for like what you wanted, like what you'll actually look at, maybe applying on your own scouting or the way you approach different things? Definitely what we just talked about with the setting up for the crosswind mm-hmm. scenario with the handkerchief and everything. Definitely that, um, and I don't know the other stuff. Uh, I've I've tried all that wind stuff before, and I, I just don't feel like I ever got anywhere with it. I'm still going to look at it and everything, but at this point, I don't think it's really going to change anything that I'm going to do this fall. Now, you had some experience in the past, like I did with wind at your back, right? Going uh, in with the wind at the back? Oh, I've done no, it. I haven't done going in with the wind at my back so much. That was him yeah, that was... Uh, doing like a large J-hook. I, I have had it to where I used to be like dead convinced that uh about deer moving with the wind and for a while there i was like okay this is absolute and that was a long time ago that was before i talked to any of these people i, I came to that on my own because i kept trying to hunt this one spot 
with the right wind and I never saw any deer. And it was back when I was hunting like the same spot over and over again. And then I hunted it with the wrong wind one day and I saw a deer and I was like, huh. And so I kind of dug into that for a year or two and I was so convinced. And then slowly as I got more experience, I just like had so many instances where it just didn't seem to be the case. And so I'm like, okay, well maybe I was just kind of confirmation bias on that or something. Hmm. You know, I was kind of looking for the pattern. So I found it. Um, but Jacob's the one that's done wind at the back, accessing that little farm. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was <clears> – <throat> we we did that growing up. So, like, I learned that as a kid and applied it to other places, and it worked. Um, but, yeah, walk, walk in with the wind at your back, and, like, you, you do your own J-hook, like, to your spot. Um, there's a our farm where I kind of grew up deer hunting, or some of where I grew up deer hunting. It's 89-acre farm, and uh, it, you can only access it – you know, really, you can only access it from the uh, from the north. So, like, if you have a north wind, I mean, if you're trying to hunt, you know, some of the really good-looking stuff on that property, I mean, you have to walk. You're walking with the wind at your back. You just have to. So, uh, there's a drainage system. There are actually a couple different drains. Like, you know, you call it creek, you know, with some uh, water flow, but most of the time they're dried creek beds. And you'd walk one of those creek beds, the edge of one of those creek beds, all the way back to the perimeter of the property line, and then you J-hook up. So, you'd walk directly south of the north wind or northwest wind, and then kind of J-hook up to the to the east go up over top of this ridge and there's a stand location up there where you'd actually turn back and look back towards the north uh, and you'd catch deer coming back and forth right there um, and then also you'd watch farther to the east and you'd be able to look at deer down this next little drainage uh, kind of coming out and feeding as well so um, and it worked really really well for us uh, in some of those different stand spots but it's like also I said the big thing there like jay hooking like it was a morning morning hunts is when we would do that we wouldn't do it on the evening hunt but morning hunt and get out there super super early get out there literally to the stand about um you know minimum 45 minutes before daylight that's what you'd want to do and uh you were coming from low elevation working your way up higher in elevation so like all you know unless it was super super windy all your sitting everything was kind of staying down low as you were walking in and you kind of got up over the top of the ridge and you were catching those deer kind of working down the side of that ridge uh once you got up there so nice. and I, I never felt like i had deer you know busting me or like crossing that trail and blowing or doing anything funky and we'd kill some really good deer doing that so pretty legit yeah that's you know different way to look at it don't pull it easy there mike shaking it shaking the table sorry guys gosh anyway all right boys anything else uh reviews son let's do these reviews wrap this thing Andrew, up. Andrew's reading i all gotta reviews. wake up in four hours same five hours um all right, review time. Review. All right, Jacob. I took I took the tough one last week. Are you kidding me? Are Are you actually kidding me right now? Let me right. go back and listen to that outro again. I don't even know which ones. Which ones? Uh, which ones are we at? Like, which ones did we not read? All right. I don't think we, we uh, read read the struggle bus one. I don't think this so. is not a nectar plant. Five stars. Could you imagine the pain? Go on YouTube and look up hummingbirds feeding in slow motion. I, I would have looked like Mike Tyson out there in the bean field. That hummingbird would have been sleeping. He definitely would have got the one-two combo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Ooh. All right, Jacob. You have to read this one. Right. I took this one last week, and I i mean, I smoked it. Big I mean, buck, like, big buck nuts for the win again. You can't, stump, you can't stump me, bud. You can't do it. Uh, I mean, I just right, I well, smoked that one. All right, big so, so now nuts. it's your turn. <clears throat> Look, just roll with it. This is your natural speaking voice, okay? All right, this is from <laughs> Big Buck Nuts. Five stars. You boys are going to have to think real hard for something. 
I just don't. I just want what I just want I just you. want you fillers <laughs> yeah, to know read. there ain't no need to be ashamed of how y'all reading them review things in your the outro, outro. <laughs> things y'all do. You boys should check out uh, Hooked on Phonics. It worked for me. Dude, you read that like a champ, Mike. You read better. Oh my god, this guy. Listen, y'all go look at the review. That was that was kind of brutal, man. You know, he really brutal some thought and how he spelled everything. Oh, I'm impressed. Appreciate all the new uh, reviews. Uh, again, if you enjoy the show, a couple things you can do for us. Number one, um, share the podcast with your buddy. Absolutely share the podcast with your buddy. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure your buddy's subscribed to the podcast too. And also leave us a review if you're a listener on iTunes. Uh, let us know what episodes you've been enjoying, what guests you've enjoyed so far, and also what uh, future topics or guests you'd like to hear from. Uh, appreciate all of the Patreon supporters as well, and uh, everyone that's been buying the merch, man. Shirts and everything's up on the website, rocking and rolling, and some other decals, and we are working on some other future projects as of now, too. Yep. So and That's pretty sweet. Pretty sweet, dude. Yeah, yep. boy. All righty. Appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. Make sure you tune in for Monday's episode of the Southern Outdoorsman. Y'all have a great weekend, and hopefully... We have some listener success stories coming. By the way, I'll mention that right now before we wrap this up. If you are a listener to the podcast and you use tips, tactics, or anything that's been discussed on the podcast from guests or anyone else, uh, shoot us a message either on uh, Facebook, Instagram, or through our contact page on our website. And let us know, uh, first, send us some photos. Let us know how the podcast was impactful for you uh, having success. We've already had... Uh, really three listener success stories come in to confirm still can try and confirm the other one make sure the guy wants to come on the podcast uh, but some of the listener success stories have been fantastic so far this year so uh, we're going to be dropping those episodes in just a few weeks uh, interviewing those guys and trying to see what's helped them be successful from the podcast but thank y'all again tune in Monday and we'll catch you back on the next episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman. And thank you to Blackberry Smoke for the music for the podcast. Also, to follow along with us, make sure you check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Until next time, y'all stay Southern. Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, We talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you, you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't 
don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it. You're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no brainer. You got to be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.